You're listening to The Scope, a podcast dedicated to having open conversations about healthcare topics relevant to our patients and community. Today, we're talking about breast cancer. Let's get started. Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, uh, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, our guest today on this episode is Dr. Christopher Spencer. Uh, he is the medical director of the Phelps Health Delbert Day Cancer Institute. Um, he also serves as the medical director of radiation oncology and is a radiation oncologist at the DDCI. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, so we're, we're, we're really glad to have you with us. Um, why, don't, why don't to kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so like, like you were saying, I'm a radiation oncologist. So uh, I'm an oncologist that uses radiation to treat different cancers. I am also the medical director of our Delbert Day Cancer Institute here at Fel- Phelps Health. Uh, and I've been here since 2015. So uh, I was recruited and joined um, while we were in the design phase of the DDCI, and then we went through and built it. And I've been, you know, in the DDCI since since we've opened up in 2017, and we're really excited about everything we've built um, in the cancer center. Yeah, so it's it's a great building, and uh, yeah, we're we're really lucky to have that here here in Rala. So okay. Well, um, as many people know, um, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we thought this would be a good time to talk about breast cancer. Um, so Dr. Spencer, to kick us off, um, can you tell us what is breast cancer and what are the different types of breast cancer? Yeah, so breast cancer is an abnormal growth of cells in, you know, in breast tissue, or that starts in, in the breast tissue. Um, sometimes breast cancers um, grow in the breast and are confined to the breast, and sometimes those abnormal cells can grow in the breast and have the potential to spread elsewhere in the body and cause problems elsewhere. Okay. Also. All right. So, and are there different types of breast cancer? Um, yeah. So there are different types of breast cancer. The most common type of breast cancer is called invasive ductal carcinoma, um, but there's also precancers that are called ductal carcinoma in situ or DCIS. There's also a type called invasive lobular carcinoma, and that pre-cancer associated with that is um, lobular carcinoma in situ. And then there are other carcinomas that are much more rare, but those are the most common two types. So can you also explain um, how common is breast cancer in the U.S., and uh, do we also know how common breast cancer is here in south-central Missouri? Yeah, so breast cancer affects about one in eight women over the course of their lives. And that shakes out in the whole U.S. to be in about 250 plus thousand cases being diagnosed every year. Um, The incidence of breast cancer here in Phelps County is is about the same as the incidence everywhere else in the United States. Um, We actually analyzed our data recently and what we found is the breast cancers that are diagnosed here in Phelps County, or at least at our institution, so Phelps County and the surrounding counties, we actually diagnosed more stage one and stage two breast cancers than our peers elsewhere in the country. So we're really proud of that. And I think what that means is that the women are, you know, are in this area do a very good job with screening. Yeah, that's great. So, and uh, yeah, to, to catch that, because when I think when you catch breast cancer earlier, you have more treatment options. Correct. Um, so that's even, yep. that's even greater, that's great news for this area. All right, so, okay. Um, cancer can also be sort of a scary word for a lot of people. Um, and so, um, so we talked about how common breast cancer is. Um, what is the survival rate for people with breast cancer? Yes, I mean, that really ranges, you know, now with um, all types of cancer, but very specifically breast cancer too, 
all of the treatment after diagnosis is tailored to the individual's actual cancer. Okay. You know, the stage, the actual biology or molecular profile of the cancer, all of that is targeted to the cancer. So, you know, the survival rates, you know, can vary widely, as you can imagine, with the differing cancers. But the good majority of cancers, especially the ones that we diagnose in the very early stage, stage one or stage two, you know, way more then you know 90% of women are being cured of these cancers when they're you know diagnosed very early unfortunately there are some cancers that are that progress or are diagnosed in later stages that are more difficult um, or not possible to cure but we have a lot of new therapies out there that can keep the um, cancer under control for a long period of time and give people very good quality of life even if they're living you know with the cancer diagnosis okay that's great information so it sounds it sounds like I mean does it uh, if when you catch breast or breast cancer earlier um, is the survival rate maybe a little bit more so, correct yeah okay. so the earlier you know the earlier the stage you know the the higher the survival rate you know in the statistics for survival rate we say you know how many women are alive at five years or at ten years after you know diagnosis and treatment um, and if you catch you know breast cancer in stage zero or stage one that number is very very high you know greater than ninety percent of women are alive and free of cancer at five years and ten years you know as you go to stage two and stage three it kind of goes down slightly but even you know with all the new targeted therapies we have we're getting better and better outcomes with treatment even for more advanced stages every year okay that's great to hear awesome okay so all right so let's switch gears a little bit um, we're talking about breast cancer um, who is most at risk for breast cancer or, or maybe you could go over what are some of the risk factors uh, for breast cancer sure um, you know, br breast cancer is difficult. You know, the one of the the biggest risks of for breast cancer is not having children or having children at a late age um, um, predisposes women um, to getting breast cancers. Anything that you know extends your exposure to to the female hormones, estrogen and progesterone, can increase the risk of breast cancer. Um, and, and some of that, those factors are, you know, obesity or being overweight can contribute somewhat to having higher hormone levels. Um, smoking and other lifestyle choices like that um, don't necessarily predispose you to breast cancer, but they do predispose you to have more aggressive cancers if they do happen. Okay. It seems like a lot of those um, uh, risk factors you mentioned, they're not only for breast cancer, they're for a lot of different cancers yep, as well. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. So. So um, kind of um, along those same lines, um, how can uh, uh, people lower their risk for breast cancer? Are there certain maybe activities they can uh, do or avoid to lower their risk? Right, so a lot of breast cancer you know, is about screening and early detection. You know, I think in terms of risk reduction for breast cancer, leading a health, healthy lifestyle, you know, uh, exercising regularly, not smoking, things like that can definitely help potentially reduce the risk. Um, but the most important piece um, with breast cancer is we have very effective ways to screen for breast cancer and you know making sure if you're of the age you know to um, get your screenings that you're out there getting your your mammograms uh, completed and doing your screening um, to make sure that if you know something is found it's either a precancer or something you know before cancer is found or um, 
heaven forbids it is a cancer, it's an early stage cancer that can be treated, you know, without a lot of side effects or problems. Okay, that's great. So yeah, I think that's one thing you're probably going to hear us repeat over uh, throughout this podcast is just the importance of screening early right. and just making sure um, they to, that you can catch things early. So okay, so. Um, another question, uh, kind of go, going along uh, uh, risk for breast cancer, um, can men get breast cancer? So. Men can get breast cancer, um, but breast cancer in men is very, very rare. Okay. Um, so the, you know, women have a lot more breast tissue than men do, and, um, and their hormone levels are different. You know, breast cancer is most often related to the female hormones, estrogen and progesterone, and those hormones are just a lot lower in men's bodies. Um, so the risk of, of, of getting a breast cancer from men is you know, very, very low. We might see at the cancer center one case um, of a man with a breast cancer per year. Oh, so really? it's, it's very okay. uncommon. So, yeah. um, so uh, Dr. Spencer, uh, do we know what causes breast cancer? So, you know, it, it, it is really, you know, different for different people, right? You know, but any cancer is caused whenever there are, you know, molecular abnormalities in, you know, a cell's genes or in a cell's DNA. So they accumulate these abnormalities and it causes these cells to grow without any checks on their growth. That's what causes cancer. And breast cancer, the most common cause of that, you know, growth is stimulation by the female hormones, estrogen and progesterones after a cell has accumulated enough damage to, you know, be able to grow unchecked. Okay, so that's good information to know. Um, I think another um, um, common question a lot of people have about breast cancer, what are the signs and symptoms of breast cancer? What are some uh, signs that uh, patients or people should be looking for? Sure. The, the most you know, common way to diagnose a breast cancer, and especially in Phelps County, is to be totally asymptomatic and a woman just going to get her, you know, regular annual screening mammogram. Okay. That is, you know, 75% of the breast cancers that we diagnose um, are diagnosed, you know, totally asymptomatic. No oh, lumps wow. or bumps felt just on a screening mammogram. Hmm. Um, the signs and symptoms that, that women can feel are, you know, most commonly is they, you know, self-palpate a lump in their breast um, that they might notice. And, and many times, especially in younger women, this is followed because, um, you know, sometimes you can get lumps in your breast that correlate to your menstrual cycle when you're younger and premenopausal. Um, but otherwise, you know, when, when a lump is felt, we typically get a mammogram or an ultrasound, and that's what, you know, leads to the diagnosis. Um, other, you know, signs or symptoms could be, you know, abnormal nipple discharge or bloody nipple discharge is another sign or symptom, or having a lump underneath your arm or above your collarbone is something that can happen as well. Changes in your nipple, like an inverted, you know, a nipple that inverts after being, you know, um, not inverted uh, previously or skin changes, things like that are other signs that, you know, could be. Okay, so yeah, breast so cancer. I got gotcha. you. So that's, that that that's that's very interesting to me to find out that so many um, don't have symptoms, right. um, and and it's a mammogram that actually uh, right. And I think that 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 just says that you know we I, I you know we feel very strongly we do have a good screening program and lots of women get screened, and that's exactly why we do screening and so we can find these at a, you know when they're small you right. know not able to be felt in a very early stage. Yeah. So okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about how breast cancer is diagnosed? What um, tests or patients? Uh, what test would patients undergo uh, to see if they have breast cancer? We kind of talked about the mammograms and screenings. So. Sure. So you know, typically we would start with a screening mammogram, and the the new age of mammograms. It's a um, what's called a 3D mammogram or tomosynthesis, and 
Um, so instead of just like a plain kind of two-dimensional x-ray film of the breast, they actually um, use some you know, fancy technology to take a three-dimensional image of the breast and it's a lot more sensitive than two-dimensional mammography. So if a mass or microcalcifications are found, the typical next step is a biopsy. They can do biopsies via ultrasound guidance where they use an ultrasound machine to localize it and, and they put a little small needle in there to take a biopsy. Or they can do what's called a stereotactic biopsy where they use the mammogram machine to localize the area that is of concern and they do biopsies that way. Okay. After you would get a biopsy, um, you know, your, the biopsy would be looked at by a pathologist under a microscope to determine you know, what was going on. And you know, the next steps after that um, would depend on you know exactly what they saw under you know under the microscope. Okay. We we typically recommend <laughs> to start screening at the age of 40 and to get screening annually um, from 40 until 70, and then at the age of 70 we recommend you know that you have a conversation with your healthcare provider you know about the risks and, and benefits of doing a mammogram above the age of 70, and typically we recommend. And people that you know are very active and have what we call a good performance status are able to do all their activities of daily living, still live independently, continue screening, you know, because their life expectancy, you know, continues to be, you know, very strong. Okay. We also recommend screening if you know women have a um, a family history of cancer. We recommend starting screening ten years. Um, younger than the earliest diagnosis. So, for example, if you know you were a woman and your mom was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 45, we'd recommend you start screening at age 35. Oh, okay, all right. Um, so, in addition to uh, mammograms and, and other screening tools that you mentioned, um, are there ways for patients to like self-check for breast cancer? I've heard about like self-exams that I guess a lot of women can do. Can you talk a little bit about breast self-exams? Sure. It never hurts to know your body. Okay. Right, and so. Um, you know, typically doing, you know, kind of regular intermittent self-exams is not a bad idea, you know, right. just so that you know your body. So you, if something does happen or something changes, you know, you're familiar with that change and you can address it with your primary care doctor or provider. Okay. So, all right. So, and, and, and if you were to find something, that, that would be the time to maybe, like you said, contact your primary care doctor to talk about. Um, Exa exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so. typically, if you were to find something, they would, you know, order a man, you know, see you, examine you, and then, you know, order whatever next, you know, step would be likely. You know, in younger women, a lot of times we start with an ultrasound, not a mammogram, or start with both, you know, diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound. Okay. So, so that kind of makes me think of another question. Um, um, as I'm, if for patients who are going through this cancer journey, who um, is sort of involved in in this from the diagnosis, the treatment stages? Would they see an oncologist such as yourself? Would they go, would they go to their primary care doctor? I know sometimes surgeons, um, if surgery is an option, they might see surgeons. Who would they all kind of see? You know? Sure. So so most commonly, especially for early stage breast cancers, you know, the primary treatment is surgical. And so typically the types of physicians you'd see is, you know, you'd start with mammogram. If the mammogram showed something, it's typically a radiologist um, who does the biopsy, who does the initial biopsy. Um, after a cancer diagnosis is made, um, then you typically would see a general surgeon um, or a breast surgeon um, to be evaluated for surgery. And then you'd also see a medical oncologist who um, is in charge of the chemotherapy and or endocrine therapy component of treatment and then you know what I do is the is I'm a radiation oncologist you'd also potentially see a radiation oncologist um, to talk about the the radiation 
um, component of the therapy. Okay. And those are the main physicians that you'd see throughout the course of your of the cancer journey. Okay, so that's great information. Yeah. So, okay, and I think that's also a great uh, segue sort of into our next question about um, wh what are the different treatment options um, for breast cancer and um, do they depend on the stage of the breast cancer it is? Yeah, so everything is tailored to, you know, not just the stage, but, you know, what the biology of the breast cancer looks like. So, you know, the stage goes from stage zero, which are precancers like DCIS and LCIS, you know, stage one would be, would be invasive ductal carcinoma or invasive lobular carcinoma or a handful of, you know, rare other cancers. Um, um, and then as you move up the stage levels, you know, stage two, the cancers are a little bit bigger, you know, and or maybe involve, you know, just a small amount of lymph nodes. Um, but in the staging system now, they also take into account the molecular profiles. And so what we know is, you know, the most common types of breast cancer are estrogen receptor positive and progesterone receptor positive, which mean those tumors basically feed or are stimulated to grow by the female hormones, estrogen and progesterone. There's also another receptor called the, the HER2 um, that is a growth factor receptor that also can contribute to breast cancer growth. And so those are the three main uh, molecular targets that we look at when we, when we evaluate breast cancers and we can segregate the stage based on those um, based on those markers. You know, so for example, you know, the same size tumor that was ER positive, PR positive, and HER2 positive would be earlier stage than a tumor that was ER negative, PR negative, and HER2 negative, so-called triple negative. And the reason that is is because the outcomes for, you know, triple positive disease are so much better because we have different therapies that can target and can block those hormones in the body that reduces the, you know, growth of the tumor or any cells that have, you know, spread elsewhere in the body. Okay. Um, so, you know, the most common initial treatment is surgical resection, you know, for curable breast cancer, stage zero to stage three. And women, you know, typically have the option of doing what's called breast conservation therapy or lumpectomy, mm -hmm. as well as doing mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And those, you know, cases are all just decided whether you do, you know, breast conservation therapy or mastectomy, you know, based on conversations with, you know, all the healthcare providers that are on, on the team okay. um, to make that decision. After you undergo surgery, um, the the surgery is taken and the lymph nodes are also typically sampled for stage one to stage three breast cancers to determine if the, the cancer has spread to the lymph nodes. And then after that surgery has been done, um, the pathology from that or the results from the surgery determines you know, what the next part of the treatment is. Um, for um, cancers that are hormone receptor positive, so estrogen receptor or progesterone receptor positive, typically endocrine therapy is recommended. And so that's a usually, you know, a pill and or shot based treatment that reduces um, the hormones estrogen and progesterone in a woman's body. And, and by reducing that, you decrease the risk um, that the cancer comes back by suppressing any potential cancer cells that are that are left behind. So that's one therapy that can happen. Um, you know, depending on how advanced the disease is or what it looks like under the microscope, we sometimes send what's called an oncotype test. And so that's a molecular test that um, takes a, a, a tumor that's removed and sequences 21 genes in that tumor and compares those 21 genes to um, tens of thousands of other women who have already had their genes sequenced 
um, and analyzed as well as have gone through treatment and we know what their outcomes are. And so we can look at a, a molecular panel from a woman's tumor and we can determine if they have a low risk of recurrence, a medium risk of recurrence, or a high risk of recurrence, and we can base recommendations for therapy on that. And so the most common recommendations for therapy is, is if they have a medium or high risk of recurrence, we'll talk to them about the risks and benefits of you know, undergoing chemotherapy. Okay. And the types of chemotherapy that are offered are all tailored to you know, a woman's you know, tumor type and, and condition in terms of how they do the chemotherapy and or immunotherapy with the chemotherapy. Okay. So from what I'm getting that, a lot of these treatments are very individualized. It really depends on the patient. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Every treatment we do is individualized because, you know, what we've learned is that, you know, it's not just about age of the patient or stage or size of the tumor. You know, the biology of the tumor makes a really big difference. Okay. And we have lots of different new um, drugs, chemotherapies, immunotherapies, targeted therapies that can, you know, target um, different you know, abnormalities in these cancers and do a really good job of, you know, curing cancers and keeping cancer under control. Okay. The last piece of treatment that we didn't talk about is, is the radiation therapy. So all women that go through breast conservation therapy need a course of, of radiation therapy to the breast um, to reduce the chance of the cancer coming back in the breast. And some women that undergo mastectomy, if they have lymph nodes involved with their cancer, would also need a course of radiation afterwards to decrease the chance that it comes back in the in the chest wall and lymph nodes. Okay, so that's great information. Thanks for sharing all that. So, um, I think another common uh, question that maybe some cancer patients may have is um, they're worried about the side effects of some of these treatments that you mentioned. Um, can you talk about maybe some of the common side effects they might have either from the chemotherapy or the radiation therapy? So. Sure. So, you know, from a surgery standpoint, um, the, the surgeries have, have come a long way and, you know, there's a lot less side effects and problems. You know, the lumpectomies women get through you know, really without, you know, hardly any changes in their quality of life, maybe just a little bit of mild pain the day of the surgery, and they get, they get by it, you know, with no problem. Mm -hmm. When they do mastectomies, they um, oftentimes will use these um, numbing pumps that they insert at the time of surgery that helps decrease the overall pain from the surgery and increase mobility after the surgery, and they work by um, basically doing a nerve block to the area that's affected. So you need less pain medicine, you're more, more mobile and less affected after surgery. Okay. Um, from the chemo, immunotherapy standpoint, targeted therapy standpoint, there's really too many to, you know, <laughs> too many, you know, paths to, you know, go through all of okay. the individual side effects. It really just kind of depends on, you know, exactly what, you know, drug cocktail is being recommended for a different tumor type in terms of what your, your side effects are, you know. Um, undergoing chemotherapy is hard, you know, for, you know, it doesn't matter what type of of chemotherapy it is, okay. um, but but over you know the last twenty years we've evolved a lot and we really understand how to best manage those side effects or toxicities and also how to best prevent them while we're giving the chemo by giving different medications and things that help you know lessen the severity okay. of those side effects. Um, and the same thing is true of, of radiation. You know, when you go through radiation, you know, the goal is to treat the cancer cells that are potentially left behind. We end up treating a lot of normal cells as well, whether it be normal breast or chest wall or lymph node regions. And, you know, you can potentially have some side effects with those. But, um, 
but the modern technology we've developed over the past you know 10 to 15 years we were able to really reduce the size of the treatment field and miss all of the you know important organs and things that are around the treatment field that used to be included and cause a lot of extra you know toxicity okay all right so so if patients do have maybe concerns about side effects with their treatment options, they, they should probably just talk with their oncologist. Right, or, right. And we go through that in detail yeah. when they're diagnosed. But okay. it's just, it's so, you know, patient-specific. It's really hard to, you know, talk right. about them because, you know, some women will get through treatment with really, you know, minimal to no side effects at all, um, you know, based on the tumor type and the, and the treatment recommendations that we give. And some women, you know, end up having a lot of side effects, right. you know, either because it's a more advanced tumor or the, you know, the treatments that are needed to treat the tumor they have um, are, are more aggressive or, or carry more side effects. And so we really kind of have those conversations, you know, on an individual basis, depending on what, um, what's going on with that patient. Okay. So... And another question I had, Dr. Spencer, um, can patients um, with breast cancer be treated at the Delbert Day Cancer Institute or do they have to go elsewhere for treatment? So Yeah, no, we offer, you know, a comprehensive breast program, you know, in the cancer center and at Phelps Health. So, you know, you can go from your initial mammogram to diagnostic mammogram, um, stereotactic or ultrasound guided biopsy, breast MRI, um, breast surgery. You know, we have um, three surgeons right now that with Phelps Health that are um, doing, you know, breast, you know, lots of breast surgery, and they're all three very good surgeons. Um, we have multiple medical oncologists, multiple radiation oncologists after surgery um, to see women through their journey. Okay, so that's great that they can get that here. I know, I know a lot of people, they, they don't want to travel far, or and even, uh, as you said, going through chemotherapy, that can be <coughs> tough enough, and then having to drive back, you know, long distances, I know that can be right. tough. So that's great that they, they're able to get a lot of that treatment done here locally. Right, so. and we partner with Siteman Cancer Center. Yes. Um, we're in their network, and so, um, we, you know, when we evaluate patients, you know, if we think that they need a higher level of care that we can't provide, you know, we partner with, you know, all of the physicians at Washington University and Siteman um, to make sure that, that the patients are receiving the care that they need. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, that, and, that, and that, that's been a great partnership, I think, over these past few years, yeah, so. Um, another question um, I think a lot of people have about um, cancer is clinical trials. So does Phelps Health offer clinical trials and how should a patient know if they should take part in a clinical trial or not? Yeah, so we do offer clinical trials and you know I'm proud to say in our clinical trials network we're one of the highest enrolling institutions in the South Central Missouri region. Um, so we, we do have clinical trials available. We have two full-time team members that do nothing um, but screen and monitor patients that are on clinical trials. So every patient that comes into the cancer center is actually screened for clinical trials. Oh. And so um, if they're a candidate for a trial that we have open, one of their physicians will talk to them about, you know, the trials that they, you know, are a candidate for and the risks and benefits of, you know, doing what we call standard of care therapy versus doing therapy on a clinical trial. Okay. So, well, that's great information. So, so. And again, another great uh, uh, asset of, of um, another great asset that the Delbert Day Cancer Institute offers here locally to patients. So, Definitely. Yeah. So, okay. Um, another question I was curious about, can breast cancer be cured? Sure. So, you know, so, so the cure word is a hard, is a hard word, right? Because yeah. um, you don't really know you're cured until you live your full life and right. the cancer well, doesn't come back, that's right? That's true. <laughs> um, but I think the, the long and the short answer to that is yes, okay. you know. And so when you look at, you know, statistics, uh -huh. um, the earliest stage breast cancers are what we so-called say is cured, you know, 
greater than 95% of the time. Okay. You know, the earliest stage breast cancers don't come back. And so what that means is, you know, if you take a group of 100 women and, you know, with very early stage breast cancer and put them through, you know, um, the appropriate treatment that they need, the risk of the cancer coming back at five years, at 10 years, at 15 years, at 20 years is less than 5%, you know, right. meaning that 95% of those women are, you know, cured, right? right? Yeah. And so what's really hard on an individual basis is, you know, you don't know, you know, for any individual, the answer is binary. You know, either your breast cancer did not come back right. or it does come back. Okay. And you don't really know that. <laughs> right. You know, and except for by living through time. Okay. You know, and so typically, you know, we continue to monitor and follow women, you know, for their whole life after, you know, any cancer right. diagnosis. Okay. Um, but the, the statistics are very good that, you know, most women's breast cancer is not going to come back. Okay. That's, that's good to know. So, okay. So, all right. So, um, so um, you mentioned maybe some of the team members that um, patients might uh, see when they, um, if, if, they're, if they've been diagnosed with cancer and going through the treatments. We talked about some of the radiologists, oncologists such as yourself, maybe a surgeon. Um, our, um, Phelps Health, I think, also has other support staff. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I know we have like a nurse navigator. We have a dietitian that can help you. Right. We have some of these other support staff at the cancer center. Too. Yeah. So we have, well, I like to call them our cancer center core services. Okay. Um, um, that, that we offer to, you know, patients that are treated in the cancer center. And so that ranges, like you said, we have a nurse navigator, you know, which is usually like the first um, kind of core service that a woman diagnosed with breast cancer would interact with. Okay. Uh, we also have a dietitian that follows um, different cancer patients through their journeys. You know, fortunately, most breast cancer patients don't need the dietitian, but certainly if they do, um, that she's available to help. We also have a financial navigator um, that helps navigate um, patients through, you know, the complex and, you know, honestly kind of terrifying, you know, financial <laughs> yeah. process of, you know, dealing with insurance companies okay. and hospital bills and things like that. And then we have a social worker as well that, you know, helps with a, a wide range of, you know, social um, stresses and issues. Okay, so yeah, that's great. I, I love that the core team. The, yeah, I love that uh, that they are that. that. Um, if somebody thinks they have concerns about breast cancer, um, where would they start? So. Right. So I think you know it's always good to start with your primary care provider. Okay. So if you have concerns, I think starting with your primary care provider um, is a you know great first step. Um, if you you know, don't feel comfortable starting there. You know, the immediate care clinic um, with Phelps Health is always available. You know, you can get in to see a provider um, right away there. Um, you can also call the breast center, you know, and, and you know, get in with the breast center um, for a mammogram if, you know, if, if you want to go straight for, for, um, for the mammogram or try, try to get that done. But I think it's always smart to start with your primary care provider. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so, well, that's gonna wrap up um, our show today. Um, thank you again so much, Dr. Thank you Spencer, very much for having me. For being here, so, um, and uh, for our listeners, thanks for tuning into The Scope. Um, if you'd like to learn more um, about The Scope, um, check out phelpshelp.org.